awaken your alpha woman. Teach your kids and yourself how to avoid and deal with dangerous people. CJ Scarlett. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. New weekly Awaken Your Alpha Woman show to be released every Monday on top of our regular Thursday show. Let us know if this is something you want more of through sharing, subscribing, and leaving us a review. This format will initially run for a few months while I see if the right host is ready to take over the show and how it is received by you, the listeners. Please do reach out, share, and let me know what you think. But let's dive into this one. This is powerful stuff. All right, Awakening Round for women out there and men. Let's dive into this one. And I've got some absolutely stunning, impressive, awesome alpha women coming for you every week, every Monday for the foreseeable future. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one personal leadership network that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tows and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by The Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. Get to the podcast. Okay, this week we have a badass grandma on the line. We have CJ Scarlett. She's the author of many books that protect women and children. Badass Parenting, Badass Girls Guide. So this is going to be a unique episode, unique interview. I'm really excited to dig into all things parenting and protecting your kids. And lots of positive things are going to come out of this episode. So please do listen in. Firstly, CJ, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Absolutely. The vibe of what we're going to talk about protecting, you know, your children and women and, and men probably as well, just protection, yes. just being safe, really alpha, really awaken your alpha type topic. So that was quite a brief introduction I did. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Um, I'm a danger expert, as in addition to being a badass grandma and an author. And so my background is that I've spent 30 years as a victim advocate serving victims of crime, survivors of crime. I ran a child advocacy center for abused children, and I served as director of victims issues for the North Carolina Attorney General's office. And I have helped thousands and thousands of victims over the years and thought I knew my stuff. But then I had grandchildren, and I started losing sleep at night worrying about their safety. And it, it, I was literally laying awake in bed at night shuddering because I could envision every awful thing that could happen to my kids. And yeah. I was picturing dark strangers kidnapping them off the streets and taking them away from me. And, and it was just becoming unbearable. And so that's what led me to start writing books to protect kids. Wow. And uh, your first one, was it the, the one about, well, actually the Badass Girls Guide, Uncommon Strategies to Outwit Predators? Is that the first one? The very first book I wrote was called Neptune's Gift, Discovering Your Inner Ocean. And it's a, a book that is for adults, but it's also great for kids. And it's a book about how to be a decent human being and the basic lessons of life. And then I wrote The Badass Girl's Guide, Uncommon Strategies to with Predators in 2017 to teach women and girls how to protect and defend themselves from, from predators and from sexual assault. 
And we touched on your origins a little bit there, but where are you speaking to us from today and where are you originally from? I'm originally from Southern California, Camp Pendleton, California at the Marine base. My dad was a career Marine and then I became a Marine. I'm now in Clayton, North Carolina, which is just outside of Raleigh. Yeah. And how long were you a Marine for? And how long have you sort of been away from that lifestyle? I was a Marine for five years. I was a photojournalist. So I got to ride in tanks and shoot machine guns and stay on the skids of helicopters and take photographs and interview generals and movie stars and infantrymen. And it was the best job you can have in the military. <laughs> Sounds that like was, it. Yeah. yeah, that was 40 years ago, which is just so wow. hard for me to, to believe that it's, it's crazy. And after I got out of the Marine Corps, I got into victim advocacy because I myself was a victim of child sexual molestations and assault. Oh, yeah. And it was very traumatizing. And I spent years dealing with the aftermath of those experiences. And I had post-traumatic stress as a result of that. Mm. And it wasn't until I sought help for myself that I, be I began to realize that, you know, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just happening to me, that this was happening all mm. over the place to boys and girls and men and women everywhere. And I became a very passionate advocate to fight for the, the rights and the um, opportunities for people who have been victimized by crime. Obviously, you had that traumatic experience and you've been in war zones. Between them two, I mean, in terms of awakening your own alpha, what were some of the most challenging experiences or situations, both in a war zone and it sounds like in terms of coming to terms with that trauma? Because some people might assume, oh, it must have been in the war zone, shooting machine guns and something, obviously quite some adverse situations. But how do they compare in it when you're looking back? Um, that's a great question. I wasn't actually in any combat zones. I was in during peacetime. Okay. I was wow, there was peacetime? <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, nowadays, <laughs> you're like, you, you... I remember <laughs> when I was growing up, I felt like, because I looked into the, uh, the army in England for a bit, and it felt at that stage, it was genuinely kind of like you was going to be training and just doing like a tour, like a tour of um, Ireland was the worst thing at that time. And then when it got a little bit, I got a little bit older and it was almost, you're guaranteed a war, it seemed in some way, shape or form. But there were, yeah, there were peace times for anyone who's thinking back. Yeah, this is in the early 80s. This is probably before you were born, Adam. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I got just, I caught the end of the 70s, 79. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I was in from 80, 81 to 86. So um, okay. I, missed, I missed the war times, which is, I'm, I'm grateful for that because oh, combat yeah. and is so damaging to people. It, it, it the moral injury, the trauma that you experience going through something like that, that I've also studied. I have a master's degree in human violence and I've studied everything from interpersonal violence, child abuse, sexual assault, domestic violence, to uh, institutional violence, war and terrorism and moral injury. And, and all of it is just, trauma is trauma is trauma. Mm -hmm. But combat brings on trauma in a condensed period, just like child abuse does. And so there are actually a lot of similarities there. I mean, I wanted to ask straight away about first book along this line about, you know, avoiding predators and some, some tips around that. I mean, what are the most, I suppose, not necessarily obvious ones, the things people get wrong that could be quite basic stuff in terms of that, that, that lower level just to reduce the chances of being, you know, falling prey to a predator? Well, people think, uh, a lot of women especially think one of the simple ones is that if they're on their phone when they're walking, talking to somebody, that they're safe. And in fact, that makes you less safe because first of all, you're not being as vigilant. You're not being as aware of your surroundings. And second of all, if someone attacks you, what's the person on the other end of the phone supposed to do? Mm. They can't, if you're not in the same jurisdiction, they can't call 911. They don't know where you are. They can't help you. You're making yourself more vulnerable. What you need to do when you're out and about is be aware of your surroundings. If you see somebody come towards you, 
look them in the eye, don't stare them down, look them in the eye, let them know you see them, nod, move on. Keep aware of what's going on around you and trust your gut. The most important thing you can do to protect yourself is to trust your intuition. Our gut is constantly feeding us information about the people we encounter. And women especially are very, very bad about trusting their intuition because we want to make nice. We want to um, be polite. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so when we encounter somebody who sets off, who triggers our gut, who makes us uncomfortable, we tend to tamp it down and say, oh, I'm being rude. I shouldn't judge that person. Yes, you should. You should absolutely judge that person inside of your, inside your own mind, inside your own gut, and say, if this person is making me uncomfortable, there's something about them that I need to be aware of. And get yourself away from them as quickly as you can. And if you make that other person uncomfortable by setting a boundary, too bad. Be willing to, to experience that discomfort and let them be embarrassed if they have to be. If you have to say, I'm sorry, but you're standing too close, or I'm not comfortable with that, or no, be willing to settle into that embarrassment for a few seconds, it'll go away, but know that you protected yourself. I've gotten, I had made so many tragic choices because I didn't want to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to make the other person feel embarrassed. And I got myself abused as a result of that. I did not know how to say no. That's another one. Uh, I was not raised to say no to anybody. A lot of people are not taught how to say no to adults. Kids especially are not taught how to say no. And if we give them that one simple gift of that word no and teach them how to use it and when to use it, we could prevent so many molestations and assaults. It's just unbelievable. Mm. Wow. Yeah, really, really important point, especially towards the end there, which you're talking about the, the kids thing. And when, you, when someone highlights it like that, you're like, yeah. And I could, yeah. And there's definitely, even growing up, you've, it's almost like a barrier to, you can kind of say no to people, but almost not to adults because it's just drilled into you for teachers, parents, friends of family. And it's just like adult knows best, which is kind of a blanket statement, which clearly is not true because it's like, you know, obviously yeah. you get bad eggs in, in any, in any group. So, um, and yeah, it starts, that's a really, it's so really simple, point. Adam, because so many parents say to their kids, give aunt Lulu a hug or don't be rude, honey. Um, you know, give so-and-so a hug. We're teaching our children to put their own feelings behind the, the needs of others. Yeah. When we tell our children, if you don't want to hug somebody, all you have to do is say, no, thank you. We're giving them autonomy over their own body. We're giving them permission to say no. We're giving them the feeling that they are in charge of their own body and to trust their intuition. So mm. one of the first things I say to parents is don't force your kids to hug anybody they don't want to. Oh, that's such good advice. Such, such a practical tip because I... Even now, obviously there's some trauma. I can remember the classic having to do that as a kid when I really yeah. didn't want to. And so obviously it's yeah. stuck in here because I'm just thinking, oh man. And also the anxiety around that because I, every gathering of that group of family, I knew that was coming and I knew I didn't want to do it. And I knew, and it was 100%. It was clear. Like, I don't want to do this. Go and do it. I'm like, oh, you know, and it's, you know, it sounds funny, but I was like, yeah, it's, it's not good. And because it is, especially at that age, like, do these sorts of things when you really don't want them, which is, uh, yeah, not good. When you was talking about, you know, being aware of your surroundings on the phone, I haven't been in these sort of environments for a long time, but I went traveling for a year and it was exactly these things you was talking about. And I mean, on another note, in a lot of places, just having your phone out, that's for a lot of places what they will be after. Like I would, you would not have anything visible that is, could be enticing to someone who's like, wants to grab it, wants to take it. So you would look almost like you had nothing. And exactly mm -hmm. what you said, you've got to look them in the eye and it can be in a friendly way, but just so they know you are aware 
and uh, yeah, awareness is everything because I there's a I'm sure you can talk into this in more detail about they're looking for an easy mark basically, and even the little things of like oh this person's not head down or they're they're aware I'm there, just little things like that can just make them give the decision to actually oh, I'll find someone else who's not paying attention. There was actually a study done where they interviewed criminals and showed them videos of people walking down the street and asked them which ones they would choose to victimize. And to a criminal, everyone chose the people who were on the phone and not paying attention or who were looking um, afraid, who were not walking confidently, who were shuffling, who were, uh, had their eyes down, who would not look people in the face. And so when you, when you walk tall and strong and you look confident, that's automatic predator repellent. It automatically tells predators, criminals, that you are not someone to be messed with, that you are somebody who is likely to put up a fight. And so they're going to immediately write you off as a, as a, a target. Yeah. Something simple like that can just keep you safe. Yeah, I'm always teaching my boys good posture. Now I'm going to yeah. add that as another reason, another benefit from it. Yes. <laughs> and I, it's one of the things, once you know, kids have been taught in some ways like that, that confident or good posture, it, they don't think about it. It's just how they see it, how they walk. It's just natural to them. So, but I mean, so many benefits from that as well. And in terms of raising safe, savvy, confident kids, have you got any more tips? Because I feel like... I, you could just go and I could just sit back because I feel like you've got so much knowledge in this area. So, I mean, what are some of the key points? And I love what you've already shared, but what are some of the key points about raising confident kids? Oh, well, I, there's so much information. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wrote two books. One is called Badass Parenting, um, An Irreverent Guide to Raising Safe, Savvy, Confident Kids. And I have a twin version called Heroic Parenting, um, an essential guide to raising safe, savvy, confident kids. And badass parenting is kind of the snarky, sweary version. And broke <laughs> parenting is a, P, is a PG rated version with no swearing. And <laughs> the books are all about how parents can empower their kids to um, trust their intuition, just to, to understand what boundaries are and how to, to use them to protect themselves. So the whole book is designed to teach parents what they need to know to teach their children what they need to know to be safe. You have to spell these things out for children about how do you, what's the difference between a safe versus an unsafe touch, a safe versus an unsafe person. Um, what the body words are for their body so that they know what is happening to them if somebody does something inappropriate. There's so much that you can teach your children that's going to help them to be aware um, because we, we just go through life kind of blindly. Even me, who was abused, raised my two sons. I have two sons like you do, Adam. I did not teach them any of these things because I didn't really know them or understand them myself. So it wasn't until I became an expert and started doing the research on these topics that I came to understand that um, all these things that I had not taught my sons that were so important for them to know. And so the purpose of my writing these books is to give parents the knowledge and the tools they need to give, to empower their kids with what, what um, they have to know to stay safe. You're, you're not going to scare the hell out of them by doing this. You're going to present the information in a logical way in, over time. It's, a it's not a one-time conversation that you have yeah. with your child that you do a data dump. It's an ongoing conversation. I even talk about how to have monthly family meetings where you introduce different body safety topics over time. 
so that you're raising your child from the time they're a baby into adulthood to understand that they have the right to body autonomy, that they can respect their body and expect other people to respect it as well, that you teach them how to set boundaries so that if people are crossing a line with them, they recognize it, number one, and then they know how to respond to it, number two, uh, in, in a way that lets the other person know that they're not, that they've encountered somebody who is going to stand up for their own rights. I also teach parents how to um, teach their kids how to fight like a rabid Tasmanian devil. <laughs> so if they get, if they have to get away from a predator and yeah. just using their bodily weapons, they don't have to know any formal martial arts or self-defense training to do these moves. And so just little things that, that they can impart to their children that will give them the tools to think, to react in the moment to somebody. You're yeah. giving them, you're, you're preloading them with information so that when they do encounter somebody, and chances are really high that they will, boys and girls, um, that in the moment they can, they can revert back to that parent in their head because they have your voice in their head. <laughs> um, and they can draw on that to set that boundary and let the person know that they're not going to be going to take this. I just, yeah, I'm just thinking of so many benefits and in terms of what you're talking about. And I just think of my, my youngest son when he was, at, you know, when he was in preschool and um, he was having a, a tough little time because of, uh, not too bad, but it's because one of the kids who was, you know, really liked him, every time he saw him would be like, yeah, Harrison, and run in and just squeeze him, cuddle him. And it was, you know, turned out it was clear he didn't like it, but he was not, initially he was not saying a word. He was just like, and mm -hmm. like really uncomfortable. And to a level, like he would mention it when he came home and we like, you know, we had said, you know, you just got to say, no, I don't like that. And we like, initially, have you told him? Like, he really likes you. He, he wants to be friends and he doesn't realize. I mean, it's pretty obvious to us because we're adults and like to you, you don't like it, but does he know you don't like it? And he's like, oh, I've never said anything. So we're like, well, and that, but just that little bit of him consistently, because mm -hmm. it obviously didn't happen instantly, just saying, I don't, can you not do that? Or I don't like that. Just, you know, just being straight. That was, you know, that changed his whole experience in that classroom because the kid got it pretty quick because he wanted to be his friend. So he didn't want to upset him. And it was just like, this is the line. I don't like it. And it became yeah. very clear. But And you can do the same thing with bullies. I have a whole chapter on bullying. Oh, yeah, about a little how talk about bullying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How kids can actually train bullies to leave them alone. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that because, again, both my boys, they're, they're quite little guys and they're, they're really nice guys. And, you know, to some people, I mean, that was definitely the initial because they were quite quiet and very thoughtful and they wouldn't have been the kids running and doing all this sort of touchy-feely stuff, but they were definitely vulnerable to that if they didn't speak up. And they've definitely, you know, they've, they've had to awaken their alphas. Otherwise, the bigger kids who just kind of fly in, not necessarily intentionally or maybe, but they were kind of initially, I'd say they were definitely an easy mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as they get older, Adam, um, you know, they're entering the years now where uh, let's say what grades are the boys in there seven and nine oh, so what grades, grades are they in? yeah so they they're just entering actually just entering fifth grade and just entering second grade yeah i think yeah third grade something like that. maybe yeah. yes because we're in that we're in that limbo time now so yeah yeah i think second, third, third grade, fifth, fifth maybe grade going yeah. Into that. yeah yeah and so um your older son dylan i believe his name is yeah yeah the older one okay um he's about to enter middle school 
in a year. Oh no, he, yeah, he's he's got one more year in elementary and then he's mm -hmm. middle school, yeah. Yeah, so in one year he'll be entering middle school and that's when things are gonna start getting a lot tougher. There are many different kinds of bullies ranging from the, um, the ones that are the popular kids who think they own the school Mm -hmm. And so they're going to they're going to lord it over everybody and push kids around. There are girl bullies who like to use relational bullying to kind of emotionally uh, isolate other kids and make them feel bad. There are bullies who have been grown up in situations of domestic violence who feel like that's the only way they know how to relate to other people and other ones who don't want to become victims themselves. And so they start pushing other kids around. And so they're gonna start encountering these kids. And the most important thing you can teach your child as they get older is the, the first time you react to a bully can in large part determine whether the bullying will continue. And so if they encounter a bullying situation, a situation where somebody, for example, says, uh, move out of my way, jerk, they can choose to just cower and move out of the way or they can kind of slough it off. And if they choose to get upset, that's what the bully is looking for. They're looking for a reaction. And so if your child does not supply an, a, a, a victim reaction and the bully doesn't get fed that reaction, mm. he's likely to stop. He may escalate the bullying to see if he can get that reaction, but if your child consistently does not react by either going along with the bullying and saying, yeah, I'm a jerk, or yeah, my last name rhymes with butt, or <laughs> yes, I, I'm uh, clumsy or whatever, agreeing with the bully, the bully's going to get tired of it and give up. And so in my book, I outline the different responses your child can give to a bully so that they get tired of the game, knowing they're not going to get the reaction they're seeking, and they'll leave your kid alone. I'm interested to know your approach to fear pre-29 years of age, and then after this kind of this period where you did kind of awaken your alpha more, uh, your approach to fear, and then obviously when it comes to danger and how fear plays a role. That, that is such an incredible question because I was afraid of everything pre-29. I, again, believe that I was bringing these things on. And it, in a sense, I'm not blaming the victim here, but in a sense I was because I was so afraid. Predators can read that kind of energy. Yeah. They look for the person who who looks afraid, who looks like they're expecting to be victimized, and then they, they take advantage of that. There's a Native American story about a rabbit, and the rabbit is afraid of eagle because eagle's going to eat it. And so rabbit's munching along its, its path one day, eating its food, and suddenly it sees a shadow, and it looks up, and there's the eagle. And they, the rabbit starts shaking, and it's so afraid of eagle. And so it says, eagle, eagle, don't eat me. And the eagle doesn't hear it. So it says louder, eagle, eagle, don't eat me. And the eagle hears the rabbit and looks down and says, ah, there's a rabbit, lunch. The rabbit called the eagle to it with its fear. And so again, I'm not blaming the victim in any way, yeah. but fear is an invitation to predators. Post 29, I became fearless. And ever since I claimed my power, Adam, nobody has messed with me. I have not had a single encounter since I claimed my power because I wear my confidence like a badge of honor. And I, and I have like this shield around me that says, don't even try. <laughs> I love it. And when you talk about the eagle and the, and sort of how that, that scenario, I was just thinking on the most basic level, whenever, you know, see, see a, a dog in the street or something like that, and it comes up and my boys were very timid, especially like, they're like, ah, I'm like, 
I'm like, guys, they can tell if you're do not like if you show fear, like they can sense it mm -hmm. on that most low level. And they're wondering why the dogs are like completely normal, don't mess with me, and they go straight to them because the boys are like, ah. Oh. Yes, it is absolutely <laughs> yeah. true. And criminals and predators are exactly the same way. We don't yeah. we don't talk much about energy because it seems too woo-woo, but human beings have the ability to sense danger and sense fear. We smell it, we see it, we yep. feel it. And predators are experts at zooming in on the people who have a victim mentality, who have that level of fear that they exude without even yeah. knowing it. Yeah. And they so, capitalize on it. Yeah. I'm interested, actually, because obviously you teach about being very aware and how can you tell they've gone too far and it's consuming too much of their thoughts, worrying about predators, like we were saying, you're worrying about your grandkids, and it's just they're too much worrying about these things that could happen as opposed to being confident that they've kind of they've got things in place to be best prepared and they're just thinking about these things and it's dominating too much of their life that's another really great question because um no offense to guys but they're i don't think they can fully appreciate how much time women spend feeling fear of, uh, and hyper vigilant about their surroundings when we when a guy goes to the mall and walks to his car he doesn't think a thing of it but a woman is like oh my god is that guy that just opened his car door oh my god oh my god oh my god i mean they're just we're constantly aware of our surroundings and yeah. worrying about what's going to happen next i was just thinking yeah why are you traveling in all these places i didn't know where i felt i don't know probably more of a slight experience. a whole year i just felt like i was vigilant for a whole year going into unknown places and and you mm -hmm. know i was as a westerner in a lot of these places you're a, instantly you're a huge potential mark and yes. you stand out and so I, wow, it was it was exhausting, but you do get into the drill of constantly being like that, and I'm definitely not like that now, especially the area I am living. But um, wow, well, yeah, well, yeah. No, one, sorry, thing, one thing to do the thing the thing that's allowed me to start sleeping at night with my grandchildren is knowledge, awareness. Mm. I looked up because because the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has splashes all over its webpage. There are 422,000 missing and exploited children every year. And I was petrified. I thought, oh my God, kids are being snatched off the street, plucked off the street like dandelions, you know? And I was getting sick to my stomach at night thinking of my children being kidnapped by a stranger. So I did my research and I learned that of that number, only 65 children were actually kidnapped by strangers in 2018. Of 422,000, 65 were kidnapped by strangers. Over 90% were runaways, were lost or misunderstood misunderstood communications directions mm -hmm. um, about four percent were kidnapped by uh, non-custodial parents about four percent were kidnapped by relative other relatives or people known to them 65 which is too many were kidnapped by strangers just knowing that took all the fear and terror and stress right out of me mm. so knowledge is power Definitely. It really, really is. And then also, in addition to knowledge, is learning what learning what you can do to protect yourself gives you confidence. And confidence is not only as sexy as it gets, it is the number one predator repellent. Out of them 65, I mean, the percentage you've probably actually been actively taught certain things to repel predators is probably, I mean, it's probably minuscule. You'd yes, think, and there's so think, yeah. much power parents have to teach their children what they need to know to keep from becoming a statistic in any way, to keep yeah. from becoming a victim of bullies or sexual assault or other juveniles' sexual assault or 
uh, kidnapping or digital dangers, online dangers. The fact is crime has gone down dramatically over the last 40 years. We live in a time safer now than it's been since 1960s, early 1960s. And we, in fact, are living in the most peaceful time in the existence of the human species. Yeah. If you watch the news too much, you wouldn't think that, would you? No, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that. <laughs> the you media loves to like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps it stirred up. And the news, the, the media makes its money off of keeping everybody stirred up. Watch, yep. us, watch at 11 to see how your toaster oven can kill you. Watch, watch at 11 <laughs> to see this child is kidnapped, you know. And it, yeah. it, 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 it zooms us into their shows, which is what they want. They want us to watch their shows. And so they're sensationalizing these issues, these incidents, mm -hmm. and keeping it in the forefront of our brains. And we think, my God, it's everywhere. It's not. Yeah. But there is danger. There is some danger. But the more knowledge you have and the more you impart to your child in a way that doesn't scare them to death, that information, the safer they're going to be. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that knowledge as well. Them stats are really interesting. And I hope that's kind of settled some people down who might have been getting riled up by all of this. But we're going to start to wrap this up with the alpha round. And I like to start that off with a particular quote that really inspires you or an all-time favorite quote that kind of sums up your approach to life. My favorite quote, I'm going to paraphrase it. It's by Henry Van Dyke. And the, my paraphrased version is, how silent the woods would be if only the best birds sang. And what that means is we, we tend to think that our individual contribution to something is so minuscule that it's not going to make a difference or that we're not good enough. And so we don't sing that song. We don't read that poem. We don't write that book. Your voice, everybody's individual voice matters and speaks to, will speak to people in a way that uh, someone else might not. Your TED Talk, Adam, spoke to millions of people in a way that somebody else giving a, a similar talk would never have accomplished. My voice ha makes a difference for people who, who need to hear it in, from my perspective. I love that quote. I'm a big quote fan and I have not heard that one. I don't even think a quote that, you know, really that similar to that one. I absolutely love that one. And then along the same sort of thread, is there a particular all-time favorite book or just very impactful book? Yes, there's a book by Gay Hendricks. Um, I bought, I've interviewed Gay Hendricks. On here. The Big Leap. He's, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's, yes. he's awesome. I have recommended yeah. That, yeah, I have recommended that book to so many people. It hit me at just the right time. He talks about the ways we sabotage our own success. And he goes into detail about the exact ways we do that. And that, and that wasn't, an, and, and he talked about how we use worry to sabotage our success. And that was another thing that helped me stop worrying. I started to realize that every time I became, I started to obsess about worrying about my grandkids, for example, that there was, my life was probably getting too good. And it became uncomfortable. I wasn't quite sure how to deal with all this happiness. I was waiting for the shoe to drop. <laughs> and so I would start to worry to kind of pull myself back down to my comfort zone. Yeah, I know. And once I realized that and read that, I, I just, every time I start to worry, I think, okay, well, my life is pretty damn good right now. So what am I, why am I trying to bring it down to this other level when it doesn't need to be there? And I let the worry go. From your network and all your experiences and having gone through the bulk of the interview now, who do you recommend or who do you feel would be a great interview for Awaken Your Alpha? You're like, oh, that person from, you know, they would love to do it and they'd give a lot of value. And there's one guy in particular, Jeff Nitschwitz. Okay. That I will connect you with, who's got several books out. And he just wrote one about uh, walking the, the Camino. Jeff writes about and talks about extensively 
things that are totally um, congruent with Awakening Your Alpha. I think you'd be a fantastic podcast oh, guest. Yeah, so I will connect you guys. Yes, that sounds like a great recommendation. And if people want to continue the conversation with you, as I do, what is the best way to connect with you? I have a website, which is cjscarlet.com, and it's cjscarlet.com. I can be reached at cj at cjscarlet.com. And my books are Heroic Parenting and Badass Parenting. And again, Badass Parenting is the one for people who can handle a little bit of snark and swearing. And, and Heroic <laughs> Parenting is a PG-rated version. And awesome. they're available on Amazon. I love both the titles and we'll have all them uh, links in the show notes as well. Well, CJ, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This podcast is brought to you by the Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. The Talk Accelerator program, how to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. What is your idea worth sharing? I'd love to hear about it and I'd love to speak with you very soon.